Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, the place for all things nutrition and mindfulness. We are passionate about guiding you to make peace with food and empower your body and brain. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Hobson. I'm an NTP, Nutritional Therapy Practitioner in San Diego. I work with individuals to assess personal nutritional deficiencies and imbalances by addressing the root cause of any health issue. In my private practice, I focus on women's hormones, gut health, and thyroid dysfunction. Let's meet my co-host. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified transformational nutrition coach based in Los Angeles. I work one-on-one with women who are ready to break free from dieting, make peace with food, and create a life they love filled with energy, self-love, and freedom from rules and obsession. I'm also the creator of the ebook, Break Free from Disordered Eating. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We are so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You're listening to episode 38 of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Happy Monday. It's me, Chelsea. So today is actually a solo episode. So Allie and I will be back together next week answering listener questions, so not to worry. Um, I know we've been apart for a few weeks, but we will be back together next week, and we still love each other very much, and we miss each other. Um, But since this is something that I am so incredibly passionate about, I wanted to do a solo episode today to talk specifically about binge eating, breaking the cycle, and ultimately making peace with food. So this has actually been a highly requested topic. I got a question on how I broke free from binge eating, and it's also very timely because it's post-Thanksgiving, and a lot of people may be feeling the urge to get back on track, and I really want to go over all that and why that may actually be the root of the issue right there. So I'll get into all that. Um, but we also got a question about counting calories and how to stop counting calories and also counting calories, counting macros, counting points. Those things can also be very big binge eating triggers. So I really want to cover all that in this episode as well. So yeah, I'm super excited about doing this and I want to first mention an additional disclaimer to what we already share in our intro every week and make sure everyone knows that I am not a doctor, I am not claiming to be a doctor, and I am also not a therapist. I am also not speaking to those suffering with a clinically diagnosed eating disorder. Although everything that I share today I feel will be incredibly beneficial for everyone, no matter how extreme their issues are. But I really want to make that super clear and that if that is you, um, please seek help and please seek treatment. So this is really me discussing my story and um, discussing binge eating and how to stop binge eating. But if you are someone that may feel triggered by any of this type of content, Um, I am going to be touching on some of the things that I used to do. I will not be going into extreme detail whatsoever, but if you feel that this may be triggering for you, this may not be the episode for you either, but um, if you do feel like it'll be helpful, um, I would love to have you stick around. So I'm really speaking to those that are struggling with disordered eating more than an eating disorder. So I myself have struggled with disordered eating. I have recovered. I have broken free, and I now actually help women break free too in my private coaching business. So 
Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist, but I am a certified transformational nutrition coach, which means that I studied not only the science of nutrition, but also the psychology of eating. And my entire approach is very holistic based, which means I look at the whole body. So I look at lifestyle. I look at mindset. I look at nutrition. I look at everything. So Instead of looking at binge eating as just stopping binge eating, just stopping the behavior, because truly, you guys, that will never work, and I'll explain why in a little bit, and once you can get that to click, too, things will become so much more clear for you. Um, What I do and what I did with myself and what I do with my clients is I look for the root, so why it started, why we're doing it in the first place, and really how to be proactive and preventative all with the magic of mindset. So I also really am a huge fan of practicing a lot of compassion and practicing a lot of forgiveness. So more on all that in a sec. So I wanted to go over what disordered eating is and also what binge eating is too. So disordered eating describes a variety of abnormal eating behaviors that by themselves do not warrant diagnosis of an eating disorder. Disordered eating includes behaviors that are common features of eating disorders. So this is going to be things like chronic restrained eating, which I essentially think of as someone who is that dieter, probably that yo-yo dieter, someone who restricts food, restricts calories, um, starves themselves, um, is trying to, you know, cut back on eating as much, all of that kind of stuff. Compulsive eating, binge eating with associated loss of control. So that very mindless behavior, just pretty much blacking out and eating a lot. Um, self-induced vomiting, also known as purging, um, which is something that used to pair with what I used to do with binging, um, unfortunately, which I'll go over a little bit um, when I talk about my story. Um, Disordered eating also includes behaviors that are not characteristic of a specific eating disorder. So irregular chaotic eating patterns, which again is so much that yo-yo dieter on the wagon, off the wagon, Um, you know, stuck in this cycle of restriction, binge, uh, cleanse, restriction, binge, cleanse over and over, um, very black and white, ignoring physical feelings of hunger and satiety. So um, again, this can be the dieter who, you know, is pushing through, maybe is told to eat 1200 calories a day, but you get to that 1200 calories at 3 p.m. and you're still hungry and you're chewing gum or you're drinking coffee or you're drinking Diet Coke or you're distracting yourself not to eat. Like this is not, this is disordered behavior. Um, Also, the person who is ignoring satiety and fullness, whose hunger hormones are out of whack, which is something that's really, really common for anyone who has dieted. Um, But also the, um, you know, the binge eater, someone who is ignoring that fullness um, because they're just essentially trying to fill a void. So again, more on all that in a second. Um, Also, the use of diet pills is very disordered. I also think of that um, could be with um, laxatives and also people taking even like water pills or um, stuff that they may tell themselves they're taking for their period to help with water weight and all that. That's, you know, that's definitely classified as disordered as well. Emotional eating, which is something that so many women deal with, right? Like, uh, it's one of the biggest things, um, especially because our lives are so crazy. They're so stressful. Um, We 
you know, often don't feel like we have a good sense of support around us, um, issues in relationships and all this stuff. So we're often leaning on food and turning to food to fill that void. Um, and then night eating. So I kind of think of this too as secretive eating. And this is something that I used to do when I was binging. Um, before I lived with my fiance and before I lived with a roommate, I lived by myself or in an apartment for many years. And, um, you know, that was a place that I binged. Like that was my secretive little spot. And I would look forward at the end of the day to getting back so that I could like feel better emotionally and just check out with binging. And um, I remember like hiding food in my purse because I lived in an apartment building, you know, in a communal space and I would park my car and walk up to my apartment. And I remember being so scared to have my, my neighbors see me carrying food or like, you know, I remember I used to get a lot of like Subway footlongs and Yogurtland, which is a frozen yogurt place. And I remember just being so shameful of like people seeing me eating food. And I remember hiding it in my purse. Um, and I was always someone too who would binge at night because, and this is so common, right? People are able to distract themselves during the day. You're able to, you know, practice quote unquote willpower, which I'll explore the concept of willpower a little bit. Um, I don't really believe in that term actually. Um, but you know, a lot of people try to lean on that and starve themselves and restrict during the day. And maybe you're busy at work or busy with, you know, your kids or whatever and running around. And then you get home and especially if you live alone or I see this too with a lot of moms who maybe, um, you know, maybe their husband's traveling or, you know, maybe their kids have gone to bed and it's just them in the house and that's kind of their time to eat. Um, so I really define disordered eating as not having a healthy relationship with food ultimately. And that's so many people. Um, so it's not as severe as an eating disorder, but what I want you guys to know is that it is certainly not something that you should ignore. So I see more and more and more girls and women and men too struggling with this. And we chalk it up to just being normal. Like, oh yeah, everyone struggles, um, you know, with food or everyone has issues with binging. Like I feel like they even glamorize binging or overindulging or emotional eating. Um, I know that the term hangry is glamorized. Like I remember talking about this um, a couple years ago in a post and how there's t-shirts made with the word hangry and being hangry is, is nothing to be glamorized. Like being hangry means you are not listening to your body. You are probably not eating real food. You're probably trying to restrict and starve yourself. And then you get so hungry that you're hangry. Um, so anyways, I just feel like we've almost like glamorized this glamorized disordered eating and yeah, it's, it's normal. Um, it's common, but it's not normal. And really, you deserve to live a happier and healthy, healthier life without this weighing on you and taking up all the space in your life. Like I can speak to this because I was stuck in this place for a really long time and I was completely obsessed with food and my weight and bo my body and trying to stop binge eating and trying to stick to a diet and all this stuff. It just took up all the space in my life, all the space in my mind. And I didn't have any room or any energy to actually be happy, to connect with people, to find out what I really wanted to do with my life. So I just really want you to know that, that no matter where you are in your relationship with food, if any of the stuff that I just read out about disordered eating is you, know that you can overcome that. Um, so I wanted to also talk to you guys about my story. Um, 
I'm just going to try to kind of give the cliff notes, even though it's hard to do. Um, and it's so interesting for me to talk about my story because I feel like I'm in such a different place now and I'm such a different person now. Um, you know, it's been a couple years since I've really been in the thick of this. Um, and I still sometimes have to pinch myself about how far I've come, but it's really cool to look back and see just how much I, I truly have broken free. And that's why I believe, because I, I just remember struggling so much and saying, I will always struggle with this. I was so definitively sure that this would be my life and my identity and my forever. And it's not. And no matter where you are, so no, no matter what age you are, because women struggle with this, um, you know, in any decade of their life. So no matter what, you still have life ahead of you. You, you can break free from this. So a little bit about my story. Um, you guys can also go back to our very first episode where I talk a lot more in depth about what I've been through with food and my health issues and everything. Um, but the root of everything for me, um, really the root of my disordered eating, um, carries back to my anxiety. So I dealt with anxiety when I was younger. So pretty much, um, like early teenager, um, all through like to my mid twenties, but in high school it was when it was the worst. So my parents, um, got divorced, um, when I was in fifth grade and, um, really like the, the, uh, my, my relationship with my mom. So I played a, placed a lot of safety and security in my relationship with my mom and my mom in general. So I, you know, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this, um, going back and forth between your parents' house, um, when your parents are separated or, or divorced is stressful in itself, but I really hated going back and forth between my dad's and my mom's health because my mom's house, because my mom's house was safe. Um, like I said, I placed a lot of security in her. Um, she represented a lot to me and I also very much loved my dad and love my dad. Um, my dad's house was a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more unstable. I kind of never knew what I was going to get when I stayed with him. Um, and unfortunately, I also saw that I had a lot of similar behaviors to my dad. I feel like we had a lot of you know, similarities in our personality. And that gave me a lot of anxiety and going back and forth between his house and my mom's house gave me a lot of anxiety. And, um, really what this amounted to was that I had this anxiety that something would happen to my mom. So it sounds really horrible, but really I feared that she would die. So when she started dating, when I was in high school, I remember that if she wasn't home when she said she would be, so if she said, I'll be home at nine o'clock, and this was before cell phones, by the way. She had a car phone, but she did not have a cell phone. Um, if she said, I'll be home at 9, and it was 9.01, I would have a panic attack, and I would really think that she got in a car crash and she died. Like, that is where my mind would go. And it was debilitating, and I was young. Like, I didn't know how to make any sense of this. And when I would go to my sister and my mom with these anxieties and these fears and these thoughts... They would kind of pay me out to be wrong. They would say, you know, I shouldn't think that way. What's wrong with you? Just stop thinking that way. That's crazy. And really from that, I developed a lot of deep insecurities in who I was really early on. So I kind of learned not to like myself. And that's kind of, you know, in the work I've done on myself in the last few years where I can really pinpoint that was like the main route for me um, with my disordered eating. But 
it really started for me then in college. So I went to Arizona State University. I was in a really popular sorority, um, total culture shocks. I grew up in, um, I went to a really small school in Pennsylvania my whole life. And then I went across the country and all of a sudden was in this sorority and I had never had a boyfriend um, in high school or anything. Like it was just a total culture shock. And, you know, different type of people, West Coast people are, you know, a little bit different. And um, I, you know, I started picking up on some of the girls in my sorority and their eating habits and eating a lot less. So I just remember I had a roommate who was a super tiny girl and she ate half a sushi roll. Like she would say she got full on half a sushi roll. She would make herself half a sandwich, like with one piece of bread. And, you know, I was, I was still a small person at this point. So I developed really, really late in life. Um, I really didn't like develop boobs and curves and stuff till like, late, late teens. So like 19 or even early twenties really. So I didn't even have like really weight to lose, but I developed a whole complex and I became super, super hyper aware of what I was eating and what I wasn't eating and working out and, you know, my appearance and my body and my weight and everything and compared myself so much. And if you can remember too, I'm saying I have this like deeper insecurity, a lot of anxiety, a lot of comparison, a lot of just kind of not liking who I was. So it all just kind of like, you know, came together. So basically I decided I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to look like my girlfriends. So I lost a lot of weight, um, my off of a body that really didn't need to lose weight. Um, my sophomore year of college and looking back, um, I didn't really think I was disordered like at all. I didn't even know what disordered eating was at all. Um, but you know, looking back, I really barely ate, um, you know, like a chewy bar for breakfast, um, tuna for lunch. I remember having like pickles for dinner. Like, you know, that was really all it, I was just really severely under eating, but it's interesting because at the time I think I thought I was pretty great. You know, I had my first boyfriend, this like hot fraternity guy, and I had a lot of friends and I was in a sorority and I was at college and I was skinny. And honestly, I just thought I was great. I put all of my worth into that and I felt like I had kind of made it in life because I came from not liking myself and feeling different from my mom and my sister, these people I really looked up to and, you know, this small school and then all of a sudden I was like popular at this big college and had a boyfriend and, you know, all these great girlfriends and stuff. And so I kind of put all my worth into how much I weighed and what I looked like and, you know, then I broke up with that boyfriend and this was like my first true love. I was, you know, 20 years old and that's when all the issues like really catapulted and I started emotionally eating. So I had never felt pain like that and I was really just like soothing with food. I was also drinking a lot because I was in college and I was partying and um, it just, all of it just kind of caught up to me. So by senior year, I had gained quite a bit of weight and um, then right before I graduated college, I actually went through something quite traumatic, which I will, you know, it's something I've actually never talked about um, with all the stuff I've spoken about and how um, vulnerable I am, but it's something that I've still never quite found the right time to speak about. So this may be the right forum. I may do a whole episode about this or a post or something. So I promise to talk about it at some point because um, it is a big part of my story, but um, especially with food, because 
that trauma really triggered like crazy, crazy disordered eating and a really unhealthy cycle up until I recovered a couple years ago. Um, so like I said, I had gained a lot of weight and, and I hated it. <laughs> I gained a lot of weight cause I was, I was, you know, dealing with trauma and, um, you know, I also, gosh, I <laughs> moved out to LA to pursue acting. Um, I had a retail job that I hated that, um, I worked at the Grove in Los Angeles, which, and I worked there, um, around the holiday season and we were there till like 2 AM. Um, I lived alone. I had just broken up actually with my best friend because after I went through a lot of this trauma, um, I was dealing with like a lot and she just didn't want to be friends with me anymore. And that was also very traumatizing. Um, I was single. It was just like a perfect, perfect storm. Um, and my goal every day was to lose the weight because I felt so uncomfortable and I wanted to fix it. So the only way I knew how to fix it was to diet, right? So, you know, and this was a decade ago. So at this point I was eating, you know, the concept of real food didn't really exist. I was eating reduced fat wheat thins and lean cuisines and power bars and sugar-free jello. Like these were the things that I was thinking were healthy and good for me and going to help me lose weight. So I would restrict during the day. So on the days that I wasn't working, I would sleep in as late as I could. So probably until honestly, like three or four or five o'clock, my sleep was all messed up. Um, you know, and I would have coffee and oats and that was probably it. And then I would go work out and I usually just pounded away on the treadmill. And every day I woke up and I promised to be good. Um, but what happened is I would then binge at night a lot. So I would get frozen yogurt and whole bags of pita chips and hummus and pints of ice cream and candy, whole boxes of cereal. And then what would happen is I would you know, I'd binge on all that stuff. And then I would hate myself. You know, I was like, you try to be good today. Like, what is wrong with you? Why can't you get to get it together? You know, just I would dive into beating up on myself and hating myself, feeling guilty, feeling shame. And a lot of the times I would also purge. So this was kind of all I knew was how to fix it in the moment. And it was horrible and obviously, you know, painful. And I was inflamed looking back at pictures at that time, I can just see my face is so puffy and, you know, I often have bloodshot eyes and like burst blood vessels on my face and my throat would hurt. It was just, I send myself a lot of love for going through that. It's very, you know, as far removed as I am from it now, it's, it is, it's painful to talk about. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping other people, um, break free from it. Um, so, you know, I would, I would vow to myself, you know, never again, this is it. Tomorrow, I'm going to be good. So this was truly the cycle for years and years and years. Um, I would research diets and I would look at pictures of my thinner body or pictures of my friends or just being around my friends and comparing myself to them or looking at celebrities and idolizing them and reading Shape Magazine and Women's Health and running on the treadmill. And it was just a mess. Um, and what I realized, you know, more recently is what I was really trying to get back to was this idea of contentment that my thinner body represented. So being young and happy in college, having a boyfriend, having friends. Um, so I really spent like five years straight in this cycle, trying to fix the binging and the purging with losing weight, with dieting, with being good and not being bad. Like that was, that was my plan. I never realized that what I was chasing wasn't really weight loss or a perfect diet, but that it was a feeling. So 
I was looking for peace. I was looking for passion. I was looking for fulfillment. So everything changed for me when this clicked, when I realized that the answer was not in a diet. The answer was not in restriction or starving myself or being better on my diet or being good or eating all the foods that I should have. It was really figuring out what I wanted in life, what really made me happy and working on myself. So really when I went back to school, so I went to the Institute of Transformational Nutrition and I learned so much more about this. So I learned about real food um, and I, I learned about the gut. I learned about stress and sleep and really mindset. So everything I thought was the answer wasn't, um, but there was an answer and it really lied in forgiving myself, showing myself compassion and, and love and knowing that there is nothing fundamentally wrong with me. Like I I thought there was for pretty much my whole life. Um, and this wasn't my fault, you know, it wasn't that there was something wrong with me and I'm just a you know horrible person who can't get it together. Like, it wasn't my fault that I was doing this. And I also wasn't alone. So I didn't need to feel such shame and guilt over it. And I really, what I needed to do was stop punishing myself. So I was really trying to recover all wrong. And I don't want you guys to go down that path. So that's really what I want to talk about today. <clears throat> I also wanted to go over a little bit about behavioral and emotional signs and symptoms of binge eating. So binge eating is usually eating unusually large amounts of food in a specific amount of time. So usually quite quick and in a short period of time, um, feeling that your eating behavior is out of control, eating when you're full or not hungry, um, eating rapidly during binge episodes. Um, But really what I want to talk about today, you guys, is that binging is from restriction. So we do not stop binging by just stopping. (laughs) So many people think that it's something you can just stop. Oh, you're binging. Just stop. Just stop doing it. Have more willpower. You know, just drink water when you're hungry or um, call a friend or brush your teeth or chew gum. You guys No, it's so not true. And it's so sad that that's the advice given. Like it's so simplistic when it's, it's so complex. So really restriction equals binging. But what I want to go over is that there are several different kinds of restriction. So it's, it's not as black and white as that. It's like I said, it's very complex. So there's a few different kinds of restriction. So the first kind is actual physical restriction. So this is dieting, calorie restriction, macronutrient restriction, meaning going, you know, low carb or no carb or fat free or low fat, like pulling out one major macronutrient from your diet. Um, other or other large food groups, like I've, I won't go down this um, whole rabbit hole, but I've been speaking a lot about how certain healing diets can trigger binging because you're feeling so restricted from pulling out, you know. FODMAPs or um, food sensitivities and stuff like that. Um, Starvation and skipping meals. So a lot of the time people will skip breakfast or skip dinner or skip lunch. Um, Under eating and over exercising, very much that combination is very restrictive, especially when you're depleting your body of essential, you know, minerals and um, you're not replenishing. That is very physically restricting and can trigger binging. Following a strict plan or protocol, 
So, you know, people following a calorie plan or a macros plan or, you know, just something pretty like cookie cutter and even quick fix, like that's very restrictive. The second type is mental restriction. So telling yourself you shouldn't or can't eat something, really like labeling foods as bad or good or bad, um, and also beating up on yourself. So guilt, shame, like self-hate, that's mental restriction. The third type of restriction is emotional restriction. So this is a big one. Um, Harboring things like anger or resentment, sadness, stress, pain, loneliness, lack of passion or purpose, or really, you guys, suppressing any uncomfortable emotions and using food to fill the void and take away the discomfort. But the caveat there is that it takes away the discomfort temporarily, and it usually makes things worse. So it can be one of those things. It can be two of those things. It can be a combination of all three. I think for me, it was truly a combination of all three. And I think for most people, it's it's often a combination as well. So there is a reason that you're binging. It's not that there's something wrong with you. Um, it's a complex issue that you have to get to the bottom of. So that's where working with someone is really, really powerful because they may be able to see what you can't. So <clears throat> for me, I was binging because of a, like I said, a deeper insecurity in who I was. So I didn't like myself. I felt very insecure. Um, I compared myself to my friends and their weight and their body. And then I compared myself to my old body when I had gained weight. Um, I also dealt with a lot of pain and trauma. And then I also was restricting myself on a physical level. So, you know, I dieted every single day of my life. I restricted, I deprived, I counted calories. I followed different diets, different protocols, different plans. I was always trying to be on a diet. Um, and eat less, essentially. And then mental restriction too. So I also labeled food as good or bad. And that also meant to me that I was good or bad. So I pretty much put my worth in if I ate good that day, I was good. I was a good person. If I ate bad, I was a bad person. You know, unlovable, unworthy. It's just so crazy like how, you know, piled on all this stuff can get. Um, And it's interesting too, one of the, this is like such a small thing, but it shaped the way that I thought about food for like my whole life. I remember my mom when I was growing up, like if she wanted to have a cookie for dessert or something, I remember her like kind of tapping her stomach and being like, I was good today. Like meaning like she deserved the cookie or like, you know, just labeling herself as bad or good. It's just these like little things, you guys. It doesn't have to be this whole huge thing that can create disordered eating or create the way you look at food or your body. It can be something so simple for so many people. It's like a kid on the playground said your shirt was too tight or you saw your mom weighing herself every morning. You know, like all this stuff that is so small, but it's actually so big and really like paints the way that we see the world. So, okay, let's get to some of the tangible stuff. So how do you break the cycle? How do you make peace with all of this? So the first thing I want to talk about is resisting restriction. So this ties very much into the calorie counting question, which I got, which was how do you stop counting calories? Um, So I want to touch on that too. So if you're binge eating regularly, 
and trying to fix it by counting calories or depriving yourself the next day. I promise you guys, you are setting yourself up to binge again. You are not breaking the cycle. You're perpetuating the cycle. So how do you stop kind of this counting thing? So if you're used to, or if you're using anything to track, so my fitness pal or a macro counter, like another type of app, um, I encourage you to delete that. It will be scary. None of this, you guys, is easy. So just like remove that thought from your mind that this is going to be easy and it's not going to be hard. It is going to be hard, but you can do it. Um, So I promise you, as scary as it is, it'll also be empowering. And it's a trivial step forward. So a lot of people are also using things like food scales um, to weigh their food that's very big in like the macro counting world. Um, I encourage you to stop doing that as well. I was very old school. We didn't have smartphones when I was um, struggling the most. So I remember writing my calories in a notebook. Um, and then once I got a smartphone, I remember writing them in my notes phone, in my notes uh, app in my phone. So stop all that stuff too. So remove all this stuff that you know. Sorry. <laughs> What am I trying to say? Remove all this stuff telling you it knows better than you inherently know you need. So the more that you focus on calories and the quantity, the less you can hear your own intuition. You need to find that voice again or really maybe find it find it for the first time. So diets and deprivation and quick fixes and plans, they don't teach you anything about food. They don't teach you anything about your body, about your needs. They cloud that judgment. They essentially teach you how to stick to something, how to stick to rules, how to deprive yourself, how to eat a certain amount of food, but they don't really teach you anything and they do not allow you to eat like that forever. And it is restriction. They make it so much more difficult to be intuitive and really they keep you in that cycle. So what I want you to do is learn the why, learn the science, understand that health is not as simple as calories in, calories out. I know some people still say that's what it's all about, and I'm never going to sit here and say that calories do not matter, but they are not the end all be all. Digestion, hormones, sleep, stress, self-care, mindset, all of that stuff, you guys, plays a huge role. So focus on some of those things instead of just calories when it comes to food. So some things to ask yourself is like, what do you even like? What gives you energy? What keeps you full? So, you know, carbs, yeah, okay, they have less calories than fat, but fat's going to fill you up. Fat may very well lead you to feel more energized, have a clearer mind, not, um, want to binge because you're actually feeling satisfied by the food that you're eating during the day, you know, and then on the flip side, healthy carbs carry nutrients and fiber, you know, they help with your digestion. They also help with energy. They help with your skin. They help with your mood. So they may have the same calories as something like a bar or chips or cookies, like carb to carb, but they're digested and assimilated differently. So focus more on nutrients than what calories um, something has. It's really, really, really important. Quality over quantity was one of the biggest things that helped me break free from disordered eating and dieting in general. And then what is your bigger why? So what will stopping calories afford you? 
I'm willing to bet um, a peace of mind, sanity, freedom, more room to enjoy life, meals, trips, date nights, friends, a chance to find your own intuition, a chance to find a way of eating and a lifestyle that you can continue forever, Um, more variety of foods, you know, different amounts of food. So focusing on the why, you guys, is so important. So that is the first step in stopping binge eating is to resist restriction. And you can go back and refer to the different types of restriction um, that I went over as well. And I'll kind of tie it. The next stuff I'm going to talk about will kind of tie into that too. So I also want you to watch the way that you talk about food, label food, and label yourself. So we are so quick to label things as good or bad. We should eat something. We shouldn't eat something. This is good for me. This is bad for me. This will make me fat. This won't make me fat. Whatever it is. This triggers us. This makes things black and white. This creates the on the wagon, off the wagon cycle. When you're good, you're going to want to be bad. Things. This cycle is very polarizing. Like I said, it's very black and white. You're going to tell yourself not to be bad but eventually you're going to give on and you're going to try to then fix the bad with the good. Do you guys see how crazy all this is? It's so stressful. Food does not have morality. It is just food. You are a good person for a ton of other reasons besides how you eat. Like, are you a good friend? Are you great at your job? Are you caring? Are you kind? Are you compassionate? Do you love your parents? Do you love your dog? Um, what things light you up? What do you enjoy, you know, spending your time doing? Like, these are the things that make you a good person, who you are in your soul at your core, not how you eat. So yes, eating well is a form of self-love and self-respect. That's what I always say. But honestly, when you care about yourself and your body and your life and you want to eat well, you will, but it doesn't define you just like eating bad doesn't make you a bad person. So a bad person, I'm pretty sure, is someone who is vindictive and hurting people and committing crimes and cheating and stealing and lying. And do you see the difference? So get really, really clear on the difference because we are so quick to blur the lines. You think you're a bad person because you ate a burger or had a cookie? How is that the same thing as someone who is mean and hurting others. It's not the same thing. So the goal here, you guys, is to burn the wagon. There is no wagon. Burn the wagon. (laughs) When you burn it and you have nothing to get on or get off, you're just living. You're just eating. You're in tune with your body. You're taking care of yourself for the right reasons. So when there's no wagon, you're going to be able to eat out. You're going to be able to travel. You're going to be able to have some treats. Okay. Because there's no longer all this weight attached to all that. Like it doesn't have this huge deeper meaning or like, you know, painting the picture of your morality. It just is. And you can actually feel some peace and calm around food now. Like imagine if you didn't look at food as good or bad or put yourself on the wagon, off the wagon on track, off track, dieting, not dieting, restricting, binging, like imagine how much more peace you would feel. So this is really why diets suck. 
because they are all about on or off. And honestly, the dieting industry, which is like a multi-cajillion dollar industry, you guys, for a reason, preys on us feeling crappy about ourselves. Um, And by the way, 95 to 98% of diets fail. Those are huge odds, yet we keep dieting. We keep going back. It's like a messed up, you know, relationship, this unhealthy relationship that we keep going back to because we think this time it's going to be different. You know, it's like going back to a relationship that failed many times, yet you're like, it'll be different this time. You're fantasizing it. It's not going to be different. I really, really, really promise you that it won't be different. You have to do something different this time and you have to try something different. So looking at it this way and you think that you're keeping yourself safe or in check or in line or on the wagon by putting these restrictions on yourself and being good and sticking to a plan or protocol and monitoring your weight or monitoring how much you're eating. But I promise you, it's not helping you. It's hurting you and it will backfire, you know, and it's not to say that you can't get to a place where you can be, you know, mindful about what you're eating or how much you're eating, but you have to come to a place of peace and you have to break free from all this stuff first. You know, I speak about that a lot too with healing diets. You have to get to a place where you've given yourself a break from restriction and rules and dieting and disordered eating first before you can jump into a healing diet Because yeah, it's still restriction and it's hard and you have to be in the right mindset. You have to be so intentional, you guys, about taking care of your mindset and I just can't tell you how important that is. The next and final tip um, on how to stop binge eating is forgive. So the goal here is to get to the bottom of why you're binging to pinpoint the restriction and really prevent it from getting to the place of binging. Um, But I can also be really real and transparent with you guys and tell you that recovery from this takes time. You will have moments where you probably revert back to old behaviors. And if not behaviors, definitely old thought patterns. These are like diehard thought patterns. They're buried really deeply down. You've probably been thinking a certain way or operating a certain way or you know, being around food in a certain way for decades, potentially, if this started at a really young age, which it did for so many people. So be kind to yourself. Um, Those triggers in your life may still be there. And that's okay. Life is tough. Um, Life is filled with ups and downs. It took me time to recover. um, And I definitely had moments, I wouldn't say where I necessarily relapsed. um, Because when I decided that I really was done with this and it clicked for me. Like I said, I really got to the root of it. Um, I had moments like of probably like kind of mini binging or overindulging. And certainly when I did healing diets, that triggered stuff for me. Um, but I never really got back to the place where it was like as deep and dark as it used to be. Um, but you know what? Like if it does, it's okay. The thing here is to forgive yourself you have to treat yourself with grace. So if it happens, like I said, it it probably will um, because you're going to be working through this stuff and that takes time to bring all this stuff up to the surface out of the subconscious mind and into the conscious mind. You have to become aware before you can actually do something about all this. So that takes time. That's something I really work on with my clients. Um, But when it does happen, the best and most crucial thing that you can do 
is to forgive yourself right there first and foremost. So remove all the weight of this, what it means, how you feel about yourself, the guilt, the shame, stop it in its tracks. Remember, you are not a bad person. You're not a mean person. You're not a hateful person. Okay, you ate a lot of food. That's all. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. So refer back to the those different types of restriction and see what was going on that day. Did you not eat all day? Were you stressed? Were you lonely? Were you sad? Were you comparing yourself? Were you trying to be quote unquote good? So getting really, really clear on why you binged um, helps you make peace of it. It helps like remove all that nasty stuff that we say about ourselves. You know, it's like, well, okay, I barely ate lunch. Uh, I had a super stressful work day. I got home. Um, I had a fight with my boyfriend. Like, okay, well, of course, you're probably going to want to lean on food and maybe you don't have all the tools yet to do something different to help yourself or practice, you know, a better mindset or more self-care. And that's okay. Again, you're learning and it is a process. But if you can see that, if you can see that, um, you know, really, this will stop the cycle dead in its tracks. So no matter what, you have to forgive yourself and you have to let go. So acknowledge the fact that it's just one night, it's one moment, it's one day, it's not bad, there's nothing wrong with you, and if you do all that, then you shouldn't feel like you have anything to fix. So do you see this? So this breaks the cycle. So feeling like you were bad and, oh my God, you fell off the wagon and you've got to be good tomorrow and how could I do this and I hate myself and I'm so ashamed and I'm just the worst person in the world. That will make you feel like you have to fix it and that for you may mean laxatives or purging or getting on the treadmill or, you know, working out a couple times the next day or starving yourself or skipping breakfast or whatever it is, getting back on the wagon. But like I've talked about a few times already, we know that those things are what will cause the binge again. Do you guys see this cycle? So what you have to do when it happens again or while you're, you know, in the place of recovery and not there yet because it really does take time. Forgive, compassion and move forward. It was one night, it was one moment. Treat the next moment, the next day, the next meal like any other day. In fact, take better care of yourself. Um do not fix anything and do not punish yourself. This is key. So a lot of us think, like I said, that it's just about stopping binging, but really it's identifying your restriction, trying to prevent that restriction. And then if it happens anyway, wondering why, like digging into the root of all that, why did it happen? Helps you make peace with it. And then you forgive yourself, you move on and you do not punish yourself because you are not a bad person and you didn't do anything wrong. So this is key. Forgiveness is so powerful, really with anything in life, you guys, but especially with binge eating and especially with disordered eating, So if you can relate to this, I want you to close your eyes right now, unless you're driving. And um, if you're walking, please stop. What I want you to do is tell yourself that there is nothing wrong with you. You are not damaged. You are not broken. You are loved. You may be someone who is binging, who has binged, who is struggling, but you are also so much more. It is not your identity. 
and it is not your forever. You have to believe this. There is hope to heal. So if you guys would like to work on any of this, or really if you're struggling with any kind of disordered eating, or you just do not like your body or are always dieting, any of this stuff, you guys, I am here for you. I have been through it and it is my biggest passion to share my story and be vulnerable so you guys know you're not alone. I would honestly most like to work with people from this community, our little nutrition-ish community, so please, please reach out to me. Imagine entering into the new year without this affecting you. So you can book a free discovery call with me through the link in my bio and you can live anywhere in the world. So I've actually worked with clients in Canada, Mexico, Italy, Spain, and all over the U.S. It's super cool. So I have been here. Um, I've gone through this. I have broken free. I can truly say I've made peace with food from a time where I thought I would never get there. And I really know what it's like. And I think that that's another thing that's missing for a lot of people when they try to recover from this stuff is that they don't find the right type of support. There is a really, really big difference between sympathy and empathy. And often sympathy can make us feel worse. And um, empathy can really, really be that key in, in finally helping us really break free from some of this stuff because there's so much power in understanding you're not alone and like not feeling talked down to or misunderstood. So the epitome of what I do is filled with compassion and kindness and support. And I just know that I went through all this. I struggled so long with food in my body and hating myself and the anxiety and the health issues because I was meant to help others. So thank you guys so much for listening. I was actually a little nervous to do this solo episode just because I don't have my, you know, right-hand gal, Allie, but I think it went pretty good. Um, And if you guys would like me to talk more about this stuff or if you have other specific questions, like Allie can definitely um, weigh in on this stuff too, and we would love to talk more about it. I also have some super special guests coming up to talk more about disordered eating and dieting and recovery and everything too. And um, actually, if you have specific people you'd like me to interview or just, yeah, really any other questions, I love specific questions, um, you can submit those to the show. So you can do that on our website under the uh, submit a question tab. Or you can email us anytime at nutritionishpodcast at gmail.com. I'd really love to know what you guys thought of this episode, if this was helpful, if any of this information was new for you, um, if any of it was a light bulb or an aha. Um, it would mean a lot to me because I I was nervous to, you know, do this, but I'm excited that I did. So if uh, also, <laughs> if you'd like to leave a review, again, that also means the world to us. You can do that through the podcast app. And we'd also appreciate a five-star rating if you're loving the show. For more from me, Chelsea, head to nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow me over on Instagram at nutritionwithchelsea. I'm sharing a ton about this stuff on my Instagram all the time. Um, For more from Allie, she'll be back next week with me. Head to barefoodnutrition.com and follow her at barefoodnutrition. And we'll see you guys next week. Have an awesome week. And I love you guys. This was awesome. Bye.